I learned to adapt and adjust. If you laughed, I laughed because I didn't know how to handle a baby being missing. So if I had to, I looked at other people and whatever they did, because if I laughed, they said, that, look at her. She don't even care that she did something to that baby. Took her over there laughing. She don't even care her baby gone. And if I cried, they like, that girl going crazy. She needs some help. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I couldn't find a place. I, nobody told me how to act or what to do. So I laugh when you laugh and I cry when you cry. I just wanted to be normal. So I took on your normal until I could figure out my yeah. own. Yeah. I want you to imagine 16 years old, about to have your first baby boy. You're excited. All the emotions are running through you. This is a very tremendous time in your life and joy is supposed to come out of this only to find five days later, your baby boy is abducted by a woman that befriends you at the hospital. Today, we're gonna to tell the story of Raymond Green. His mother is here, Donna Green, to tell her side of the story of how these events played out and what she's doing as an advocate today to help others not endure what she went through. Hi, Miss Donna Green, how are you today? Hi, Tawana, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on the show. And you're welcome, you're welcome. So when I first went and looked at Raymond's case the first time, I don't think that I looked at it the right way. I I really was looking at it this time as um, you being that 16 year old girl in the hospital and the emotions that every woman has when they're having a baby is is extreme and, and, and overwhelming and joyful. And I thought about that very moment of what happened, you know, or what someone was was planning to do while you were at a very precious moment in your life. So what I'm gonna do, let's go back to that day. And I want you to tell me, even from the very start of when you came into the hospital, what happened, What? how did this all start? Um, when I came into the hospital, I had Raymond immediately. I was almost about to have him on the elevator. So <laughs> um, he was ready. After I had Raymond, uh, the label went really, really quick, really quick. So right after I had him, uh, I was tired. I took a nap in around, I guess, two, three o'clock in the afternoon or something, because I went in that morning. If, if my memory serves me correctly, um, I went out to see him because he was such a beautiful baby when I had him that I just couldn't believe he was mine. So I went back out to see him. I uh, went to the nursery and that while I was standing there, a lady came up and uh, introduced herself, a little young lady. Um, she introduced herself and, you know, started talking to me, asked me which baby was mine. I told her which baby was mine. And um, she pointed to a little girl that said that was her niece. Uh, said her sister was there, but her sister was asleep. So when I got ready to go back to the room, she asked, could she come back to the room with me? And I told her it was okay. And she came back to the room with me. She said she didn't want to disturb her sister while she was asleep. And we just talked. And she came back the, that later that evening again. And she sat in there and talked to me. The next day she came in and we talked. She asked me a lot of questions about Raymond and I answered them not thinking that 
um, she was asking me for a specific reason. Right, right. So I answered the questions, you know, hi, well, you know, um, how much did he weigh? What's his whole name? Did you name him after his dad? What's his dad name? Those kind of questions. When you look look back, do you, does it, was there things that really stood out to you when you look back in hindsight? Well, hindsight, of course, you know, hindsight is always 2020. But at that particular time, it seemed um, like normal questions that you would ask when you're trying to get to know somebody. Okay. So that's how I felt. I was just 16. So my, um, I was probably at the peak of my naiveness. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. So when I got ready to go home, she, I was packing to go home and she came in and asked, could she get a ride home? because her sister her ride had left her is what she said and the people that I was the people that I was with said it was okay um and they dropped me off first which is how she figured out where I stayed at now I often wonder sometimes supposed to have a drop off would this have played out differently I don't know but they dropped me off first and it probably wouldn't have played out at all because you would have and 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 did you ever ask the people that dropped her off where they took her yeah i did ask them and they told us but they didn't take her to a house they just took her to a particular i think it was on the corner of staten and the low that's just a busy oh, area right. that's a busy area so that she didn't allow them to take her to a house and that's okay. probably wasn't even the side of town that she would live on you know but right. uh, she showed back up in my house a few days later um I uh, came home, I think, on the 3rd. She showed back up at my house on the 6th. And she, you know, I thought it was strange when she knocked on the door. When she knocked on the door and I saw it was her, I thought it was real strange. It was cold outside. I didn't see a car. And um, I asked her, what was she doing there? She was like, you know, um, I just wanted to come see how y'all was doing, you and the baby and everything. So I'm thinking, I said, well, how did you get here? She said, on the bus. And I'm thinking she must really want to be my friend. She came all the way over here on the bus, you know, so I let her in. And even though my antenna went up a little bit, I didn't know what that feeling that I was feeling was. I could, I didn't know how to relate to that feeling. So I let her in and um, we talked a little while. My brother was in there the whole time, my older brother. And uh, he was in there uh, watching TV and nod. And we kind of watched TV and talked. About an hour later, it was time for me to go freshen up. I was hoping that she would go on and leave, but I didn't want to say that to her. Right. So I was like, I'm going to go freshen up. And she was like, oh, I'll just stay. You know, and she stayed. And um, I told my brother, for some odd reason, I told my brother, watch the baby. I'm going to take a quick shower. You know, you just had a baby. You mess up your clothes or whatever. You got to go right. run up and take a quick shower. So I said, watch the baby. I'm going to go take a, a shower. And then... Um, he said, okay, but he seen her sitting there talking to me all that time. I let her in and everything. So he thinking she's a friend of mine. Comfortable. Well, he, she do Yeah, definitely. So he dozed off and went to sleep. I came downstairs because something I got in the shower. I don't think I was in the shower five minutes. Something just kept telling me to get out. And I got out and I, I just ran downstairs. I was still away. I had on my clothes, but I ran downstairs to see what was going on. Why, why was I feeling that? I didn't see the baby on the sofa and I, you know, my brother was asleep. I woke him up. I was like, where the baby? He said, oh, your friend? 
you know, baby start crying, your friend picked the baby up and just start walking with him. Well, if she go down this little hall that we had, you can't see her anymore. He said she walked to the door with the baby. Actually, she walked on out. That was the last time I saw her. And the baby. Right. You know, when you when you when you first realized like she was gone and the baby was gone. What 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 feeling what was going through you? Was it a state of panic? Was it kind of like I'm um, I'm frozen? What what actually emotion were you feeling when you realized like this lady just left my baby? Fear. Fear. That's all I felt was fear. Fear and uncertainty. What is going on? I never heard anybody taking anybody's baby. I never heard of nobody was missing or anything like that there. So I I'm not um I couldn't really, really understand what was going on. Where was she? Where was my baby and everything? I was going to ask you that earlier. I was like, you know, the comfortability that you had of her being there with your child is probably because in 1978, you, you, you didn't really hear of Black children being taken, especially right. in their own communities, out of their home. Right. Right. So that was a very... um. That was that was that was unique situation. Exactly. So what was your brother feeling? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, my brother, he well, you know, I didn't blame him or anything like that because he thought she was my friend. Right. You know, he felt real bad. He went out and started looking for the baby, started looking for her, walking up and down the street, asking everybody and everything. I think he was kind of in shock like I was. Right. You know, um, but he thought she was my friend. So that that was that whole thing. And I, I thought I was actually making a new friend. That was some type of betrayal. So after that, I'm calling the cops. What were what was their response? Um, they came immediately, but it wasn't. I think maybe one car, maybe two. That was it. They came, took a um, statement or whatever, wrote me around a little bit, and that was it. I didn't hear from them again. Um, they called me a few days later and asked me to come down and just put a lot of pictures in my face and was like, okay, did she have this color hair, this color hair, this color, what's, what color skin, was it this tone or that tone and all that their stuff. And then after that, I didn't hear anything else. And then when I was calling them, they would always say, well, if we don't have any leads. If we hear anything, we'll let you know. We don't have any leads. If we hear anything, we'll let you know. And then two years later, they did, I think it was like a year later, maybe they did hear something. Another uh, baby got stolen. This particular baby was out of Grady. And the lady that stole the baby, they found the baby. The lady okay. that stole the baby had a one-year-old. So they thought that that one-year-old was mine. So it, it started everything back up again. And um, and so and I had the, to go down was to the one-year-old Was the one-year-old... Um, also abducted was that her child or was that child that was abducted? her child that was her wow. child wow yeah wow so after we did the footprints and everything um it, it turned out not to be him okay all right so you don't have uh, uh and and we talked about this earlier your story of raymond your actual account with him is very short because it's only five days you know, right. 
but right. it doesn't matter how long you have your child it's still something that you birthed and you you've had inside of you for a good length of time um i know after a while you know you start trying to heal behind it but how long afterwards did you think like hey i might they might not work on this case right i might not find my baby i actually didn't think that away um okay i i think it, it, years have passed and i and i the calls got less and less when i said the calls me calling them got less and less because it was always the same thing until it, the calls got none at all and um about 20 years later uh after i stopped i had stopped calling but it wasn't 20 years but i had stopped calling after a while and then i decided just to go down there and see all i wanted was to file to see what did they do about the case and maybe i can do an investigation myself or just see what did they do and um they didn't have the file so to them, I was this crazy lady coming down that time I had a child that was missing 20 plus years ago and they didn't have a file. They pulled out a file from 1948 right then and there, but they didn't have a file on him. So I had to go down there two or three times before finally I got uh, the newspaper article uh, from the library and I took that down there. And once I took that down there, um, I asked for the, the detective. They said the detective had retired and they had no way of getting in touch with him. But I, I knew that if he retired, he had a retirement fund or something. They knew how to get in touch with him, but they just really weren't interested. And then, um, so what they did was they allowed me to, after I bought the um, newspaper article down there, they allowed me to um, tell what happened again. And they took that and they gave me a number. That's how I got him into Nick, Nick Mick, National Missing Children. Okay. So you have you do have other kids too, right? I have six others, yes. How did that affect your um, mothering after Raymond was taken? Well, because I, I kept them close, I wouldn't let them go nowhere. If I went, they went to the store. I'm always imagining somebody abducting them or taking them or something. So I kept them real close to. They was like, you know, you're just smothering us. We can't do nothing. You know, like they can't go to the bus stop. Anything. Um, mentally i was putting all my fears on them i mean i can imagine so because if, if my baby was taken i definitely would the rest of my kids would be i mean that's a super grip that you you would have on them after going through something like that see they don't they wouldn't understand right. that situation they're just looking at like what is going on with, with her like chill out exactly. you know how kids are right. chill exactly. out for a minute you know i'm trying to do right. my thing but right. to you, all you could see is um, going out that door and her being gone and your baby being gone. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So I knew that if, if that happened that time, I just wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. But the kids, they really um, suffered a lot because a lot of things they couldn't do. And I didn't want them out of my sight. And you know, I would have been, I've been satisfied if they all slept in my room, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I had to pray and ask God to just help me let them go. Right. And he did, you know, every day I just trust them to go a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And then I had to tell myself, those are your fears. You cannot put those fears on those kids, you know, are they going to resent it? 
So I caught myself in, in, in time for them not to be as resentful as they could have been had I yeah. not reasoned with myself by the grace of God. So at, after a while, you became an advocate for missing children, right? Right. How, how long? How long? How long have you been doing that work? Um, I guess about twenty something years. I I've been um out here trying to help other parents. You know, making sure that they don't feel the way I felt, like nobody cares. Uh, do spotlight on cold cases and you know, um, talk to parents. And a lot of times you hear the police don't care, which I, I understand both sides. The police, if they have no leads, what can they do? You right. know, um, but as a parent, as a parent, we we don't want to, even if you just call and say, hey, look, you know, we don't have any of these problems. Then, you know, I'm thinking about you, something like that. We want to know that our children matter. Right. You know, we want that. That's what we want to know, because we are already heartbroken and, and, and living in uncertainty. You know, as he lived, as he did, you know, this, that and the other. And then so you go to the law enforcement and they, you know, they do all they can. You hope that they are doing what they can. And then if, if, if they can't do anything else, that's when we have to step in as parents of those lost and missing and uh, do our part. You know, I talked to an officer um, one time and, and I, at, I was asking him, I was like, you know, what's the, what, why is the reason that you guys don't communicate with missing children, family? So, you know, you know, currently, you know, just, you know, consistently. And he, he told me, he was like, that's the worst news that you can take to somebody. Like, we don't have anything. We don't have any leads. We don't have, we don't have anything to tell you about your child you know most of police officers most of them are are, are pretty decent people they're human and right. what they think about is when they're coming to you is i have to go tell a mom like i don't know where your your child is and right. they know from a, of a from a parent most of them are parents perspective that that wouldn't be that wouldn't sit well with them so to deliver that news, keep delivering that news is, I think it's more or less, it's not them trying not to tell you, it's them not wanting to have to say that to you and they just don't want to say that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's understandable. At the same time, um, we're, we're parents with that. Right. See, that's from their perspective. Our perspective is totally different. Say right, something. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, but I push the fact that we as we as um, loved ones we got to get out, out there and do our part too because sitting at home wishing and waiting and just crying and doing nothing that's not going to help it, it doesn't do it do anything for your mental but if you're out and about and you're trying to do something you're trying to make a difference or trying to take away somebody's pain or something then that helps you out as well right you're doing right. something you know but a lot of time what we do uh, and I understand because sometimes it's just too painful to do anything. If I do something, it's going to constantly remind me that I'm doing this because of my pain. And some parents don't want to deal with their pain. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to do anything because they really haven't accepted or, or, or really dealt with their pain. You right. know, and that's a hard, hard thing to do. 
when your heart is broken, your child is missing. Because I tell people, you know, you want to see what my heart looked like. You look at my children. That's my heart walking around on the outside of me. Mm-hmm. And then they say that, you know, in math, they teach us uh, when a hole is missing a part, it become a fraction. So when I when you got that child missing, you're not whole anymore. You become a fraction of a person because a part of you is missing. So I, I, so I get that. I understand that we don't want to deal with that. But our mental, we have to deal with that and we have to do it. And you learn that once you get past the initial and you keep talking and you keep helping, it helps you. It helps you. Not only are you helping other families, but you're helping yourself as well. Not only is that, is that you're helping other families, but that's therapy for you as well. That's why I can get out here and do what I do and help people the way I do because I'm helping myself as well. You know, you mentioned that um, there's a there's a piece of you missing when when you have a child missing. And I, I remember telling my mom, I was like, she asked me one day, she was like, do you think Jabez is still alive? And I was like, no, no. And she was like, why? I was like, because there's something missing out of me mm-hmm. that wasn't mm-hmm. that that was there before it was just like somebody had took something out of me and I knew something had happened right do you have that feeling or do you think that Raymond is still out there and that you're going to get to see him one day oh I believe I believe with my whole heart that Raymond is still alive what I do know is that he don't know who he is right so you took a child as an infant whether you raised them or sold them or whatever you did, that was an infant that had no that has no knowledge, no remembrance of those that event. So who you tell them who he is, that's who he is. You know. So I I believe he's still alive. I believe that in my heart. I believe I'll see him one day. I do. Um, but I believe that he don't know who he is. So it's up to me to keep it out there every which way I can. That's why I don't I don't turn down too many opportunities to talk to him and I don't turn down too many platforms to say who he is, you know, because I believe he's out there and you just never know. You just never know. Yeah. It might be the very one conference you might go to. It might be somebody there that said, Hey, you know, that might be that child. You you just went to crime con not too long ago and you made a statement that I was telling you when we talked earlier, that was, really profound because I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, how much emotion do you have attached to, to someone that's, that you've only had for five days because you miss the elementary, you miss the graduation, possibly marriage, birth. We don't know if they, they, they have, he has children or not. And you got the crime con and you said, you looked around and you, you just said to your, you noticed you was like, I might not never find my baby. What at CrimeCon made you look around and kind of feel like you were hopeless? What I said is that, and that's what I said, you know, Raymond's case may be hopeless. My case may be hopeless because, you know, it's so many things. I never had a picture of him. So the picture that that is of Raymond, because all seven of my kids have the same dad, they took my husband's picture and all of the children and created what he may look like because oh, I never okay. I never had a picture of him so by me never having a picture of him and the and the original file was um lost 
So you don't know what kind of investigation, what they came up with, anything. So for so many different reasons, you know, I do feel like um, I felt at that point because it, and I guess I came, I came to that, I came to that at there because earlier that week I was at um, the missing and unidentified. It was in Las Vegas as well, and I got the opportunity to sit in the room with maybe. 45, maybe 30 law enforcement officers of all kind, you know, and um, detectives on up, investigators and all that. And I, I got a chance to ask the question and I asked them, I said, look, as a parent, if the, the, the case, because he talked about lost cases, lost files and all those things there. And I said, so what does a parent do with the files lost in and it's been years and this, that, and the other, what does a parent do? And I'm so excited to be in this room to ask this question to them and maybe I can get some feedback as to other things I could do. Nobody said nothing. Like they didn't know what else to do. So when I came out of that, only in the, one of the guys, the, the guy that was speaking said, well, I can just tell you to keep looking. Okay, you know, use social media, that was it. So, I felt defeated. Yeah. That was the first time I actually felt defeated. And I wanted to holler out, you know, all you guys here, all this experience in this room, and that's all you got for me. You know, so when I went out of the room, it just brought tears in my eyes and I felt hopeless. All this was in that same week, mm -hmm. you know, so I felt hopeless and I hadn't, hadn't had that feeling before, but that particular time, I, and when I spoke that at crying Com, I thought about it later because I've never felt hopeless before, but I guess my expectations of the experience that was in that room, um, I knew I was going to walk away with, with a new height uh, at a new level of what I can do and what the police can do. And when nobody had anything for me, it just kind of um, knocked me down for a minute. That's all. And so I was, I was experiencing them emotions while I was there. You know, um, to tell you the truth, I, I see you on, a, you know, I talk to you on a, 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 quite a bit and I, mm -hmm. you just, you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And you have to be one of the strongest moms that I know that I, I've talked to because it's not very many people that can go to sleep at night for 40 something years, knowing that they have a child out there somewhere and not knowing where they are. That's just, and, and not just that that they're helping other families on top of the pain and grief that they've endured for 40 years. You are a tremendous, tremendous um, person when it comes to this arena. And I just want, I wanna tell you that, and I know that there's other people that believe that too. So before we even end that, I just wanna, I wanna let you know that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, it's just, it's just by by the grace of God because life's gonna make you eat one way or the other. It's gonna make you bitter, or it's gonna make you better. That's what it's gonna do. And so we're gonna we we're gonna get knocked down. That's never. It's called life. You got your losses. You got all these here things, but you got to keep moving forward. You guys, you just got to keep moving forward. So I know that I believe in God, and I know 
that we used to sing the song, he got the whole world in his hands. I believe that. So I know in his hands, me and Raymond, we connected. We're together right there in his hands. I don't know where Raymond at, but God do, you know, and I know I'm his child. I know he loves me. So for whatever reason, he chose me. I do believe God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And he said all things work together for our good, but he never said it had to look good, feel good, or taste good. Okay. He just said it was for our good. <laughs> so, you know, we have to look at it at maybe that was for this. It, uh, it gave me a purpose and a platform. Now, I believe God, I believe every time I pray that if God don't bring my child home today, let him bring somebody's child home today. Amen. Let him bring somebody's pain today. I, it's not just my child, but mothers out there everywhere millions and millions of families out there feeling like i'm feeling hopeless like you know wondering just wondering where 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 you know and i i i hear so much of that and i see so much of that this case i just talked to somebody last week who child been missing since the child was like 18 months old and the child i think is like 29 now still missing so you got all these cases out there and everything so in my mind i tell myself Every time a child come home, Raymond come, moves up a notch. That's and eventually right. it's going to be his time to come home. That's right. You know, that's, that's, I, and I believe that. So I don't know why God chose me. I don't know why Raymond is missing. I don't know why I let her in because I dealt with a lot of that too. You know, people say, oh, she gave that baby away. Um, I, and I remember another child got missing and I was at the store. And they was headed on the news and three of the ladies were standing there and they was like, I don't believe anybody just going to walk in that house and take that child. She did something to that child or something like that. Child still missing a day from my understanding. But, I, you know, I, I love them. It happens, you know, but back then when Raymond got missing, it was I was standing in the projects. So it was, you know, she gave that baby away. She killed that baby. Don't y'all let her keep your baby. Or they go that girl that gave her baby away. That's what I had to deal with every day. That's wow. what I had. Hello. So, um, yeah, so that's what I had to deal with every day. You know, so when you never dealt with that before, it silenced you. And you just got to find a way to get through it. Because you ain't got nobody to hold your hand and tell you it's going to be all right. I wish somebody had told me at 16 that my child, when my child got missing, that it was gonna be all right, but nobody did. I didn't have any support. So when you don't have that support like that, again, you can get bitter or you can get better. And I thank God by his, with his mercy and his grace, you know, it's just like you got an umbrella over you and, and, and what he did was I couldn't handle all of it. So he just let me bite off just enough that I could chew, that's all. You know, I just, just enough. He didn't just put it all on me. So the, the weight of that, he didn't lay on my shoulders at one time because me having to deal with that and people saying I'm walking walking, and people pointing at me saying that girl gave her baby away and that girl this and that girl that. And I began to look different with people. And then, you know, I had a best friend and some more people and I happened to go down there just trying to get away from the crazy. And I walked in, but they didn't think, they didn't know I was standing outside the room. And they was like, I don't believe that she gave that baby away. She did something to that baby. They didn't know I was out there. Those so, were your friends? Those were my friends. So when you have to, then I never told them that I heard that. I just went on in with a smile. 
where else I was going to go. I, I wasn't, I just needed to belong somewhere, you know? At so, 16. Um, at 16. So I learned to adapt and adjust. If you laughed, I laughed. Because I didn't know how to handle a baby being missing. So if I had to, I looked at other people and whatever they did, because if I laughed, they said, that, look at her. She don't even care that she did something to that baby. Took her over there laughing. She don't even care her baby gone. And if I cried, they like, that girl going crazy. She needs some help. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I couldn't find a place. I, nobody told me how to act or what to do. So I laugh when you laugh and I cried when you cried. I just wanted to be normal. So I took on your normal until I could figure out my yeah. own. Yeah. yeah. I told you we're the club that nobody wants to be in. Of course. Of course. <laughs> we're the club Definitely. Nobody wants to be in. Ms. Donna Green, I want to um, thank you. You have shared a tremendous story. I, I, I didn't even know a lot of these details that you shared tonight. I pray and hope that um, this reaches other mothers, other fathers, and other families that it can help. If there was anything that you could say to Raymond right now, what would it be if he listened to this podcast? I won't stop looking till I find you. I love you. I walk with you in my heart every day. You're a part of me. And I will not stop looking until I find you. And what is a word of encouragement that you would give to other families for them to keep going? Don't stop. Take it upon yourself. Do the flyers. Do anything. Minister to somebody. Talk to somebody that's got the same thing going on. Just keep moving. Because if you keep moving forward, you'll feel better. But if you stand still and you just let the pain consume you, it'll put you in another place that you don't want to be in that dark place. So just keep moving forward. And if you can't, latch on to somebody like Tawana and others that have been through it, latch on to them and let them show you how to move forward in the face of your pain. This is Missing Our Voice. This is Miss Donna Green. This is Raymond Green's mother, the advocate for missing children. We thank you today, Miss Donna, for um, you being on the show. Um, and we thank everybody that listens. This is Missing uh, Our Voice. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>